as Nick comes up, I'm just going to ask you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 4, where the message will be today, Colossians 4. And these are the few verses from 2 through to 6 that Nick will be preaching on. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, this is Paul speaking, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is God's word to us this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks, Rob. So we start today, uh, three sermons you'll get... um, Andy next week, I think that's right, and and Keith the week after, in preparation um, for our week-long mission, A Passion for Life. We're going to talk about um, a passion for prayer, um, and a passion for people, and a passion for the team. So you'll get all those things um, coming up. So I've shared my screen, I'm still getting that up there. Okay, you just stop your screen share and I'll start mine again. Oh, I see, you'll need to move, sorry, you'll need to move your Zoom window up the top, won't you? These are things that happens when you trial something new, that's the whole point of trialing it. (laughs) So have you got that on your bottom screen, have you? Just can you put your bottom screen up the top? While doing it, I'll leave you to I'll leave you to work that out. <laughs> and I'll make a I'll make a start. At least the guys, the guys on Zoom will see it. So three sermons, we're, we're getting ourselves prepared just to get in a, in a mission kind of mindset. Ooh. It's coming. Yeah, it's there, sort of. And we're going to pick up. So my job to speak about a passion for prayer. It's really hard to read. There we go. And I want to suggest that the Apostle Paul never prays for people to become Christians. Apostle Paul never prays for people to become Christians. Is that true? When he prays for churches... When he prays for Christians, he prays that they might have wisdom and revelation to know God better and to know his will 
and to do his will. We saw that at the beginning of Colossians. We see at the beginning of Philippians, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. When he asks for prayer, he prays that he might have opportunity and courage to proclaim the gospel. So in Ephesians 6, and this is quite important, this is a little uh, partner passage for today. Pray also for me, he says, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, this is Ephesians 6, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly um, as I should. He prays for opportunity and for courage. So the nearest he comes, I think, to praying uh, for people who become Christians, there's a little verse in 2 Thessalonians 3, he says, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured just as it was with you. Or in um, Romans 10, he says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire uh, and prayer to the God for these, uh, and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. So it's interesting, you can do this for yourself. You can go and use a concordance or you can go online um, and look up the words prayer and pray um, in the New Testament and see what's the burden of, of Paul's prayer. So interesting, isn't it? Paul prays for his hearers that they will know God and they will um, obey God and, and know how to be godly. And he prays for himself that he'll have God-given opportunities and that he'll have the courage to take them and that he'll have words given to him so that he knows what to say. If that sounds familiar, then it is. Um, we've talked about this before. So, but before we get into those three things that Paul prays for specifically, let's look at some of the ground rules for prayer um, that, Paul comes, uh, that Paul brings out of this little passage. And it's worth, I think, just recognizing that some of Paul's most general commands come out of tiny little passages um, that are stuck at the end of his letters. So quite often, his, the bulk of his letters um, is addressing some particular uh, issue in the church, and then at the end, um, Paul bungs in, and we might just think, that, oh, it's a little throwaway passage at the end, devote yourselves to prayer, be, be watchful and thankful, but no, actually, these are the, probably the passages with the biggest implications. They are the most general things that apply um, across a wide range of, of situations. And so Paul says this, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. That's a command for, for all churches at, at all times. Devote yourself to prayer. We might say someone is a devoted husband or we might say that they're, they're a devoted wife. You know what that means. They're committed to the other person. They're always looking to the other person's needs. They love them in such a way that they... Uh, they're always putting them first and always looking for their needs. Or you might say that someone's devoted to their allotment, or you might say somebody's devoted to their train set. Um, you know people have different interests, um, and, and they, they take up their mind, and they take up their time, and they take up their, their actions. They love it. What about us? Be devoted. Devoted to prayer. It says being watchful. Watchful just means being awake, being a vigilant. vigilant. Look, look around you. I wonder sometimes whether our, our prayer is a bit feeble because we're just not really looking. 
Not really looking what is actually going on in your, in your neighbour's life. What actually are their struggles? What about those work colleagues who are a bit grumpy? What is actually happening? Can you listen uh, to, to the words, you know, the words that are not said? Can you, can you see beyond um, the surface? Can you be watchful? And in terms of what goes on in the country, you need at least, as Christians, you need half an eye on what's going on in politics. We need not to be obsessed by it. But we need to see where the cultural wind is blowing and praying uh, for those in authority, Paul says. And we need to be aware, I think, of what our brothers and sisters in other countries are going through as Christians. So as Christians, you need to be devoted to prayer, but being devoted to prayer then means you need prayer information. You need to be seeing, being watchful what's going on. And being thankful. In prayer, we should always come um, with, a, with a thankful attitude. Again, I think quite often we don't pray because we think we've got it covered. And we learned from the Lord's Prayer, didn't we, to pray for our daily bread. We think we've got our daily bread in the cupboard. We think it's there. Um, and Jesus tells us, just pray for the stuff that you expect to be there anyway. Be thankful. Cultivate this attitude that all the things that you have um, come from the Lord. There's a great question which came out of an Open Doors um, secret church course. was, what if tomorrow you only had the things that you were thankful for today? Talked about it before, but it's worth reminding you. What if tomorrow you only had the things you've been thankful for today? What would you have? So those are the ground rules of prayer. Devoted, watchful, thankful prayer. But Paul prays, um, Paul prays these three things for himself. And we're not apostles. You don't have the same definitive proclaiming ministry as Paul. But we are all witnesses. So you may not have a preaching and teaching ministry. You may not stand on a street corner. But as we'll see in a minute, the gospel changes your conversation. And as we'll come back at the end, we'll see that essentially Paul expects similar things from us, though perhaps in a different way that he prays for himself. So I think we can adopt these uh, Paul's prayer for ourselves, but in a slightly different context. And the first thing he prays for is opportunity. It's really poignant, isn't it? He says, um, pray that God may open a door for our message so we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Here is Paul. Um, he's imprisoned. And he's not praying. He's not, he doesn't pray, Lord, I'm in, I'm in prison, set me free. He says, Paul, I'm in, he says, Lord, I'm in, I'm in prison. Will you open the door uh, for my message? And even when he's imprisoned, he, he knows that um, he says to the Philippians that what's happened to me has actually happened to, to serve the gospel. He doesn't ask the Lord to set him free. He asks the Lord to, that the gospel will be free. And we can pray the same. Maybe you're praying um, for your family and you just feel trapped. Just, just trapped, stalemated by, by the relationship. You just kind of don't know where to go with it. And it feels stuck. Or maybe the same with, with your neighbours. You think, I just don't know where to, to start. And so in that sense, the gospel is stuck. It might be the same with your work colleagues. You just think, I just don't know what I'm going to say uh, or how to get it started. And in that sense, the gospel has got trapped. 
And Paul prays for an open door. When there's that kind of historical rejection against you, uh, maybe from your family or when uh, at work you just hear that Christianity is put down, feel like the, the, the gospel is behind closed doors. Well, throw the burden back on the Lord, as Paul does, and pray for God-given opportunities to, to speak about Jesus. Say it like this. Go to the Lord in prayer. If you want me to speak about Jesus, if you want me to um, invite somebody to a Passion for Life event, I'll keep this in my back pocket, but please will you give me the opportunity. And when praying for family as well, where there's sometimes the hardest place, maybe the, the prayer to pray is say, Lord, give me, will you open a door? Will you open a door for me to speak to them? about Jesus. Second thing Paul prays for is, is fearlessness. I think it's explicit here that he, that, he needs, um, that he needs courage. But in that little verse we read from Ephesians, Paul says, pray that I will declare the gospel fearlessly as I should. And that's so often our problem, isn't it? We're afraid. Afraid of people's reactions should we, should we mention Jesus. We know that we are going to be the, the fragrance of life to some of are being saved, as Paul puts it, and the, the stench of death to those um, who aren't. So it's interesting, isn't it? To some people, you, you smell like, what's that wonderful perfume? Um, uh, to those who are being saved and to those not being saved, they think, what is that horrible B.O.? The Nick's carrying around with him. And there's no way around that. There's no way around that. And you have no way of knowing, if you've never met a person before, which camp they are in. And actually, even with your family, you don't know ultimately whether the Lord is going to save them, save them or not. You don't know which camp they're going to be in. Maybe the, up until now, you've been the, the stench of death to them. There's no way around that. But humanly speaking, people will not be saved unless someone takes the risk. God's usual way of reaching people is conversation, a spoken message from one person to the next. Yes, sometimes God gives dreams and visions and sovereignly saves people. But his usual method is to use people like you and I who are fearful. So throw the burden back on the Lord. If you want to, Lord, if you want me to invite somebody to, to a Passion to Life event where the gospel will always be spoken at each and every event, Please give me an opportunity. And then please give me the courage to take it. Third thing Paul prays for is for wisdom and for words. It's interesting, isn't it? You see, we assume that, that Paul is fearless, but, he, but he's not. It's clear that he's in prison. He, we, he doesn't have opportunities. But also, we think that Paul is so eloquent isn't he, isn't he a guy, doesn't, doesn't he always know the right answer? Well, Paul doesn't feel like that. Paul asks for prayers that God will uh, help him proclaim it fearlessly and, and here, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So even Paul asks the Lord to help him be clear and help him have the 
the right words, the wise words to say in any situation. So he calls the gospel a, a mystery here. And I don't know about you, I love to read a good thriller. Um, you know, it's a kind of like a crime novel, and especially if it has a really good um, twist at the end. Um, and the mystery is solved. And then I'm relieved when I get to the end because I'm really rubbish at getting the clues. Um, so I love it when you get to the end and the mystery is resolved and you see how it all fits together. In terms of the gospel, it's, it's, it's not a, a mystery in that sense, except it's a mystery that's been revealed. If you, if you go back, there were clues in, in the Old Testament. Righteousness by faith. Abraham believed God, it was credited as righteousness. There were clues, there were blood sacrifices was the only way to be put right with God. There, there were priests, you needed somebody who was going to stand between you and God. There were prophets who, who spoke God's word um, to the people. And God's people, though they were feeble and disobedient, were repeatedly forgiven. There were clues. And they've come true in Christ. The solution um, has been revealed. That's why Paul calls it um, a mystery. It's a, it's a mystery that's, that's, that's been solved. And it's been solved in Jesus. And now we're very near the end of the book. And the final climax is actually that the hero will return and make everything right. Jesus will return. And like, it, like in a good crime thriller, um, the baddies will get punished. People who don't trust Christ will be punished. And the goodies, those who long for Christ appearing, will have uh, eternal joy. So all I would say is make sure that the gospel is, is not a mystery to you. Going into a time of, um, of mission, of invitation, of speaking the truth to people. Make sure that the, the gospel is not a mystery to you. So check that you know the story. I know that's, that might seem a bit, um, what's the word? Scholarly, or like being back in school, revise it. What is the gospel? And if you were asked on the street, say, what do you, re what do you really believe? How would you sum it up? I would say revise. Watch quite a lot of Pointless in our family um, over tea. Um, we eat quite early. Um, so quite often we're catching the back end of, of Pointless. And if you're ever applying, okay, then I would suggest that you revise the periodic table. They love questions about elements. I would revise presidents of the United States. They love that. Um, I would revise some countries before you go on. And then you get people on Pointless, and there's a question about... Um, you know, um, elements of the periodic table, you know, beginning with O, X, Y, G, E, and N or something, and somebody will say, oh, this is chemistry, it's not my subject. And you kind of think, what, what were you doing? What were you thinking? When you came, what was your intention? Were you intending to do, were you intending to do well at this? And if you were, well, you could have revised at least, you know, you could have at least looked down a list of elements of the periodic table. And as Christians, let's not be like that. Let's not come to a conversation and somebody says, um, what's, what's the essentials of, um, of Christianity? Why do you believe that Jesus is both a God and a man? And you go, well, what didn't, oh, that's not my specialist subject. We can be a little bit more ready. And if you're fearful about that, and you think that's too much, then carry one of those instead. If 
you can't remember where in the Bible you think those important things need to come, carry one of those knowing God personally, and that explains it for you. Even Paul prays for help with his speaking. Pray that when I speak, this is Ephesians 6, words may be given me. Pray for me that when I speak, whenever I speak, words may be given me. So throw the burden back on the Lord. Pray for opportunities to invite people. Pray for courage to take them. Pray for wisdom to know what to say. And the Lord will answer. So Paul's prayer for himself is, is interestingly very much his expectation of us in these uh, last couple of uh, verses. He says, make the most of every opportunity. He's back to opportunity again. Um, be courageous. I think that's implied. Make the most of every opportunity. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you've got an opportunity, use it. Have, have courage. He says, be wise in uh, how you act and to have salty conversation so it's interesting he wants wisdom he wants opportunity um, and then he expects us to make the use of the opportunities we've been given and to think about the words that we use so I'm intrigued about this thing about salty conversations whoops where are those salty conversations to be had? I mean, I know he's saying, let, let your conversation be always full of grace. Notice that. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So in other words, if your conversation always has something about Jesus in it, is always talking about things like what the gospel is uh, and what the basics are, if it's always about uh, what does God want me to do um, in, in this situation, at home, then you'll be more prepared, Paul says. You'll know then how to answer everyone. I think that's, the, that, that's part of the intention Paul has here, that your conversation, if the gospel's always in your conversation, then um, you'll be ready when you're outside of the church and somebody asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. We were kind of like throwing a load of things out of the loft yesterday. Um, went to the tip and I've been carrying this old CD player around with me. It was broken before we came to Staines. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's in its box. It was only that the display had kind of stopped working. But I couldn't, I, I couldn't bring myself to, to, uh, to, to throw it away. And yesterday I kind of put it in the small electoral, almost with a little tear in my eye, um, at, at the tip. And I came back and said, but you could see that Hannah was kind of uh, was upset. Because we do, don't we? We kind of invest uh, our, our hope. And, uh, and we should have had a longer conversation. I did try to raise it in conversation, but it wasn't very successful. How, what's, what's the godly thing? How does God come into this when you're going through stages of life and you have to put one stage of, of life down um, to pick up the next one if you're always talking about things in the context of the gospel, which I should have done. Um, then when you need to talk to people um, outside church about the gospel, it would be more straightforward. So have a think about these three pictures, four pictures. The devoted husband or the devoted wife or the devoted person. What does a devoted person look like? That's a picture... Uh, of how Paul wants you to think about prayer. 
the open door, just picture an, op an open door in your mind. It's a picture of opportunity. Paul says, pray for an open door. At home, if that's the case, with neighbours, with friends. Pray for the door to sovereignly open uh, for conversations to be had. Think about the picture of fragrance. Um, you're going to smell wonderful <laughs> to some people and you're going to smell awful to other people just because you're a lover of Jesus and you're going to need courage. A mystery, just think of that, that picture of the story, a story which had clues, the clues have been explained, the mystery is solved um, and the end is not that far away. It's not there's that tantalizing last few um, pages. Do you ever get that, get through a book and you think, oh, this, this mystery's been solved and yet there's that much left. I wonder what's going to happen. Well, we know what's going to happen. Christ is going to return. People are going to be judged and everything's going to be made new. Which of those pictures sticks in your mind? Which of those is going to be your priority in prayer? Or maybe it's going to be all of them. So is that true? Paul doesn't pray for people to become Christians? I don't see it very often in Scripture. But actually, I think he prays more often for opportunity because he knows where there's opportunity, then actually it's God's business. It's God's business what's happened beyond them, but he wants to be the one. He loves this gospel. He wants to be the one, uh, have, this, have this joy uh, of, of telling people the gospel and, and seeing people become Christmas. He wants that. He wants those opportunities. And actually, he's prepared um, to be the stench of death to a whole load of people if God will just give him these opportunities to speak to people um, in ways that they're going to respond. So we love people and we pray for their salvation. That's, that's normal. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not suggesting that. How could you not? How can we not pray for those we love to come to know Christ? But maybe what we ought to be praying is for an open door, for God to uh, open the door, for there to be an opportunity. But in this season, let's press on. Let's press on and expand our prayer a little. Let's pray that the message will spread rapidly in Staines and Ashford and, and, and Laleham through this time. But if this kind of like, I, I know so often, and I can see, you can see when you're a preacher that sometimes it just turns people off and you go a bit glazed and you're listening on the outside but you're thinking, I just don't want to think about this. If that's you, then I just invite you to throw the burden on the Lord and say to him, look, I'm prepared at least to pray and I'm going to pray that you give me some opportunities to invite people going to pray for the courage to take them and I'm going to pray for the wisdom to know what to say and if you pray that then I think you can say if you pray that and if you're ready and maybe you've got a thing in your back pocket then I think you've done what you need to do if you're praying that and the Lord will give opportunities and then what happens at the end of the conversation is entirely up to him Let's pray for a minute.
Father God, I pray in these next couple of weeks that you, that you excite us about you, that you excite us about the gospel. So I pray, first of all, Lord, that you will meet us in, in, in ways in these next few weeks that we've not seen you before. Lord, expand our vision of you and meet us in, meet us in new ways, we pray. So please excite us about the gospel. Excite us about knowing you. And out of that, Lord, help us pray. And then as we pray this prayer, we simply ask, Lord, that you'll respond, that you'll give us opportunities, eyes to see them, wisdom to know what to say, courage to take them. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.